What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Thinking Thursday. This week, something that's been on my mind is what OCD actually is. And I say that being somebody with OCD. And the reason that it's been on my mind lately is I, I think a lot of people, from no fault of their own, don't exactly know what OCD is. I think a lot of times a comment can be made like, oh gosh, my OCD was off the charts when you put the dishes in the dishwasher that way, or when you folded the towels the way that you did, <laughs> whatever it is, as if OCD is just a desire for things to be neat and in order, um, which, you know, there's there's an el- there can be an element of that in OCD, but that's not what OCD actually is. And I, I think a lot of people... When they think of OCD, the first thought that comes to their mind is excessive hand washing. Um, Somebody constantly washing their hands to the point of them really being raw and and painful because they've caused so much friction from all of the hand washing with all of the soap. Um, Is that because excessive hand washing is one of the more common compulsions in OCD? Maybe. I I actually, I don't know the statistics behind that, but I I think that that's, those two in particular are what a lot of people think of when they think of OCD. Orderliness, or the desire for things to be neat, and excessive hand washing. And I wanted to use this episode to kind of give an introduction to a lot of those people out there uh, who don't really know what OCD is beyond that. And before I realized, before I found out that I actually suffer from OCD, I thought the same thing. Those were those were the two immediate thoughts that I had when I thought of OCD. But it really is so much more complex and, and bigger than that. And quite honestly, a lot more intense than that. And so I went and did some research before recording this podcast and there's this website out there called psychiatry.org uh really reliable website for all things psychiatry um and i got a definition from from them for ocd and the way in which they define ocd is a, a disorder in which people have recurring unwanted thoughts ideas or sensations that make them feel driven to do something repetitively I thought that was so well put. Pretty succinct, succinct, however you pronounce that word. <laughs> Fairly simple. And it really brings you through the the entire spectrum, uh, or it walks you through each letter in that acronym, OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. They say it's a disorder which people have recurring unwanted thoughts, ideas, or sensations which is the piece that people with OCD will obsess over. And then those obsessions will cause them to feel driven to do something repetitively. And that doing something repetitively is the compulsion, or those are the compulsions. And repetitive hand washing is one of those. But there are a myriad of different compulsions. Uh, Probably you can't even count, I'm sure, the amount of compulsions that there are out there or the form in which the compulsions happen. Some of which are 
physical or you can actually see them being done like the excessive hand washing or maybe people need to say a certain word before they walk into a room every single time and other times it's it's mental a lot of times it's constant rumination analysis rationalization within somebody's own mind and that's the OCD that's more difficult to actually see uh, the more difficult one to often recognize in somebody else and maybe even yourself um i got a couple other statistics that i thought were pretty interesting from the international ocd foundation so a really good resource for people who think they have ocd or they know they have ocd and they want more information or really just anybody out there who wants more information um but they through some studies say that there's about one in every hundred people um, that suffer from OCD in the US, which when you think about our population of three, 400 million, 1% of that is pretty large. I'm a financial analyst, but I just got off a day of work. So unfortunately I can't do that math of 1% for you, but <laughs> that's pretty sad. Um, <laughs> but, um, that's a, that's a lot of people who have OCD. And about half of those have it in, to use the word that they use, severely. And I don't know exactly how they're defining severely or severe, but I imagine it's OCD to the point that it's really affecting their ability to basically be a normal functioning human being. Um, maybe I shouldn't have even used the word normal there because none of us are quite normal there's no such thing as a normal right um but i think you all know what i mean so that's a that's a lot of people who have ocd and uh i think it can be difficult to have that many people with ocd and have so many of us not really know exactly what ocd is um and, and if you go and do more research on ocd there are numerous different forms, types of OCD. It's almost like denominations of OCD. And uh, largely the way that they're organized or the way they're classified is based on what kind of intrusive thoughts such person has, right? Um, there's, again, just like there's a bunch of different compulsions, there are so many different... Uh, intrusive thoughts that people with OCD struggle with um, from one of the more common ones is contamination and that's the one that you'll likely see the um, the compulsion of excessive hand washing with it's this major intense anxiety due to this obsessive thought or fear that they're going to get sick that they're going to be contaminated have bacteria germs on their body and that's what's going to drive them to that compulsion of excessive hand washing. And when you get that understanding, you you know, it's almost it's kind of rational for them to be excessively washing their hands because their brain for whatever reason is perceiving the threat of possible contamination or is believing in the threat of possible contamination from a bunch of different surfaces, environments, whatever it may be. So that's one of the more common ones. Another common one is this intrusive thought of something horrible happening to someone you love. 
And, uh, you know, that can be them getting into a car accident or them getting hurt or killed by another person. Sometimes it's the fear that you're going to lose control um, of your own desires, your own will, and you'll be the one who does something horrible. Um, Any form or variation of that kind of thought can sometimes trigger somebody with OCD. And I want to backtrack a little bit, actually. There's I saw this statistic from madeofmillions.com, which is a really cool organization that that's, uh, their mission is to continue breaking down the stigma around mental health. And this is actually where, when I was finding out that I had OCD, I did a lot of my research and it was super helpful in me understanding what my brain was doing. Uh, but they have a statistic out there from some studies and it was that four out of every five people, so about 80% of people have intrusive thoughts like the contamination or the fear of something happening to a loved one but only I believe it was about one percent as well it's kind of I think I refer to these statistics a few months ago now so I I forget the exact numbers but it was only a small fraction of that 80 percent have a difficult time letting those intrusive uncomfortable thoughts go and that's really the difference between an OCD sufferer and somebody who isn't or who doesn't have OCD. Somebody who doesn't have OCD might have those scary intrusive thoughts, that fear of something happening to their family, whether it's uh, them causing it or some stranger or another person's car or whatever it is. And they can usually be like, oh, that's, you know, it's irrational or I'm not going to worry about that. You know, they they probably don't even need to consciously have that conversation in their head. They probably don't even need to say, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. It just flutters by because they know that it's not a real threat. It's not something that is really going to happen. It's something that could happen, and there's that acceptance, that understanding, and the thought kind of passes on. But for somebody with OCD, they feel or sense this uncomfortable, intrusive thought, and there's this intense level of anxiety that builds up in them, and they get attached to that scary thought and start questioning themselves as to why they would have that thought. Could that really happen? What if they really did lose control and this happened and they hurt this person, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So they have a more difficult time or we have a more difficult time with letting go of certain thoughts like that. Um, There are, again, a lot of other different obsessive thoughts. There's Uh, religious scrupulosity, which is like a really fancy way of saying somebody who is constantly stressed and obsessed over being in right standing with God or whatever their belief system is. And the problem with that one is nobody's perfect. So if you're suffering from religious scrupulosity and you always need to be in right, moral, ethical standing, you're under intense amounts of anxiety. And this is actually one that I I struggled with for quite a while, and it's taken some some real healing, for sure. There's some other ones like sexual orientation OCD. There is pedophilia OCD, which sounds terrifying for a lot of people who don't have OCD. They're probably like, I, I could imagine you'd be like, what the heck? Like, why would you be having thoughts like that? But it would be more of this fear that almost like in the example of somebody being hurt, um, this fear that you would lose control 
and do something to a minor that you really have no desire to do. And that's the large difference that OCD sufferers don't often see. It's hard for them to rationally see that the difference between somebody with pedophilia OCD, for example, and an actual pedophile is that the person with pedophilia OCD is terrified that they could maybe lose control and maybe do this, whereas the actual pedophile is you know turned on by these ideas or really has a desire to do these things. So one is terrified and doesn't want to do these things, like desperately doesn't want to do these things. The other desperately wants to do those things. And so there's a, a huge difference there. And, and it needs to be talked about more to be able to break down the stigma for people to be able to, you know, if you suffered from pedophilia OCD, it probably would be in your best interest to not publicly come out and say that perhaps. Um, but it's absolutely something that is that should be talked about in your therapist appointments, right? Um, if that's something you struggle with, I definitely recommend that you go and seek out a professional who specializes in OCD. Um, and this, of course, is not just for people who struggle with pedophilia OCD. Any form of OCD, it can be debilitating. I know at one point in time, it was debilitating for me. I was in bed for two weeks, having panic attacks in the middle of the night, waking up in sweat like my bed was it, it was almost as if I peed myself it was covered in sweat um it was like a pool it was gross that was probably a little graphic but hey you know what strength of vulnerability I'm being vulnerable <laughs> um but it's a real serious thing so if this is something that you struggle with I, I really want um and encourage you to seek out some professional help or or if you aren't at that point, talk to somebody you trust, somebody you, you love, um, and somebody who loves and trusts you. That's big too. It's definitely a two-way street. Um, there was this other statistic I came across that was really interesting to me because it was super relevant. Um, it was, again, from the International OCD Foundation saying that it takes 14 to 17 years at times for someone to get appropriate treatment for their OCD. And this is often because of the shame and embarrassment of their OCD symptoms, which can either be the shame and embarrassment of the compulsion or the shame and embarrassment and or the shame and embarrassment of their obsessions. Going back to that, you know, scary example of pedophilia OCD, often people don't want to talk about that. Um, so there can be a lot of shame involved there. And that can keep them from getting the treatment that they deserve, the treatment that they should get. Uh, but then also at times people are unaware of the condition and the fact that OCD can be treated. And I'm definitely an example of that. You know, I feel my OCD from time to time come into play. Um, there are certain days where, you know, it causes me to be a little bit more anxious, uptight, um, scared, quite honestly. A lot of times it just makes me scared. Um, but over the years, I've really been able to learn how to manage it, been able to learn how to recognize it. And it's something that I routinely, when it comes up, talk to my counselor about it. And it's, that is incredibly helpful. 
there are a few things that I encourage anybody who thinks that they might have OCD um, or somebody who knows that they have OCD to do. And one of my biggest encouragements, one of the most helpful things I heard was so often people with OCD, you know, it's the intrusive thought that they get attached to and they obsess over and they start to think of themselves as if that intrusive thought defines who they are or if it's speaking to who they are. And they're scary thoughts, so that would be scary, right? If that's really defining who they are. But I heard this one person say one time, and I really wish I remembered who so I could give them credit, but it was great. And unfortunately, I don't remember who it was. Um, but they said, your body poops, but you're not poop. So just because your body has thoughts, why would that make you your thoughts? And that was so helpful for me to learn that I am not what my thoughts are. And that's kind of interesting to hear when there's a lot of talk about mindset and the power of positive thinking and and all of this. But the difference, the differentiator here is that we have a bunch of thoughts all day, every day. A lot of them meaningless. And a lot of times these intrusive thoughts are meaningless. We are far more defined by our values than we are by every single thought that we have. So please come to accept that. If you're struggling, please know you are not just your thoughts. You are so much more than that. That's a key. Coming to accept that fact. And then another thing that is a practice. It's a, it's still a practice for me. These are things that you have to continue to practice and work into your life. But number one, accept that your thoughts don't define you. Number two is accept your thoughts for what they are, which is just thoughts. Those two are very interrelated, but slightly different, right? One is the understanding and acceptance that you are not defined by your thoughts. The other is the acceptance and understanding that your thoughts are simply just thoughts. So definitely know that. A third thing that I actually practiced a little bit, completely unprofessionally, it was not the way that they would do it clinically, I'm sure, but one of the more common types of treatment for OCD is called ERP, Exposure and Response Prevention. And so I want to, again, encourage folks who have OCD or think they might have OCD to seek out professional help for this. However, in addition to that, something that I was personally able to do was expose myself to situations or to the very thoughts themselves that made me uncomfortable in practice not having the response or or in terms of OCD and practice not having the compulsion so exposing yourself to what it is that you're afraid of and practicing not doing whatever it is the whatever compulsion you normally have and doing that on your own is scary it's absolutely not for everybody um, especially in the beginning 
uh, when you're first learning of these things because it can be really uncomfortable and it can be so helpful to do it with a professional. But if that's something that you feel like is in your wheelhouse, you at least want to give it a shot, I definitely encourage you. Try it. You know, it it's something I still have to do from time to time again these days. Uh, but it was so helpful. Um, so yeah, those are some of my thoughts. Those are three takeaways for any of you who are struggling with OCD or think you might have it. One, accept that you are not your thoughts. Two, accept that thoughts, the thoughts that you have, are nothing more than just what they are, thoughts. And three, perhaps you practice some personal exposure response prevention or exposure and response prevention. And the fourth would be to seek out professional help because sometimes you need it. Often you need it, especially when it's OCD. I really hope that this episode has been helpful with giving you a bigger idea of what OCD is. It's so much more expansive than just the desire for things to be neat and orderly or the excessive compulsive hand washing. It's so much bigger than that. It really impacts people um, greatly at times. Like I said, it, it can be debilitating for people. If one in a hundred people suffer from OCD and half of those are severe, that means that those people, there's a large amount of people in the United States who have debilitating OCD who, where it causes them to struggle to function as a human from their day-to-day activities might be difficult for them to get to work and that's obviously a big deal in the economy and the the way our society is structured so the more that we understand these things the more we can encourage people to get help the more we can realize that maybe this is something that we're struggling with because it is so much bigger than what what you thought it was perhaps so i really hope that this has been an eye opener for you it's something i'm very passionate about um and if anybody out there wants help with OCD. I'm, you know, I'm not a professional. I'm not a therapist, but I would love to hear from you. If you wanted to share, if you're looking for somebody to just share with that, you are struggling with something like OCD. Hey, I'm so here for you. And there's a lot of power in doing something like that and opening up to somebody and finding out that you are not alone. So I absolutely encourage you to do that. Um, As we close this episode, I just want to plug a couple of things. I have recently made a Facebook page called the Strength Your Vulnerability Podcast. So please go and give me a follow on there. There's also an Instagram page, which is strength underscore through spelled T-H-R-U underscore vulnerability. You don't even need to worry about the underscores. If you just go into the search into the discover section and just type in strength or vulnerability, you will find the page. Um, And I've been putting up little, you know, half a minute to a minute videos of different tips, different thoughts that I've been having. And then you'll be notified of all of the podcasts that are coming out um, every Thursday and also every Saturday. So really good way to keep up with all the stuff that I'm doing with this podcast. And in addition to all of that, something that really, really helps with 
people finding this show is when you go on Apple Podcasts and you leave a five-star review, it's it really helps other people see this show. And of course, also when you see that a show is rated highly um, and has a lot of reviews, it definitely, you know, it encourages you to listen to that show as well. Cause you're like, you know, like if other people think it's good, then you'll, you'll give it a shot. So if you are looking for a way to support this podcast, that is one of the best, if not the best ways to do so. And your feedback, number one means a ton to me. And number two, is really helpful in uh, me making this podcast better. So um, I appreciate you all listening so much. I I love doing this. And uh, I just really, you know, my mission, my goal is for this to help you all, to serve you, for you to know that you're not alone and that vulnerability is a strength, man. It is so big. Let's make this movement happen. Let's keep it rolling. Hashtag strength through vulnerability. You all rock. You're loved. And I will talk to you again this Saturday.